As we said tonight, come on up, Dad. The sermon tonight uh, is being brought by Don Harris. Uh, it, it was actually a church member's idea, and some of you have been asking for a long time for me to ask my dad to share his testimony before you. So, so tonight, uh, this is by your request. I want you to know that I, I love this sort of thing, no matter who is talking about salvation and their testimony. I, I love this. I think we need to hear more of these stories, and I'm always open to that. If any of you are willing to do what, uh, what Brother Don does, tonight. I I invite that. We are all strengthened when we hear about God's power to change lives. Uh, I can't tell you a lot about the change in my father's life because I've never known uh, him any different. He's always been a godly Christian man as long as I have have been on the scene, and that's 44 years. Uh, Tonight, as dad shares and as you hear about some of dad's life before Christ, the amazing thing is that man is so gone He's gone. The man that my dad was before Christ is, 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 just, uh, is, is buried and crucified with Christ. It's a new creation that I've always known. And I will say this, uh, the Don Harris that you know is the Don Harris I know every single day. He is Don Harris all day long. It doesn't make him perfect, uh, but it just means that, that he, he, he is genuine. He is just the real thing. He has been a godly man every single moment of my life. Uh, and, and I remind you, there, there is no hypocrite here tonight, and I can say that as someone uh, who has lived under his roof. Uh, I've been spanked by him uh, a bunch, uh, but, but I'm telling you, uh, he, he, is, he, is, he is the genuine deal, and I can say that from, from personal experience. Uh, so tonight, listen prayerfully to, uh, uh, to my dad's story. Uh, dad, please. Thank you. Uh, since I've been walking with the Lord, I've learned a lot of things. Some of those things came hard because uh, I was disobedient to God. But I have learned five things that has been instrumental in my life. Uh, Number one, I've learned that he uses ordinary people. Just ordinary people like you and I. Number two, I've learned that he never gives up on us. As you're going to see in my testimony how all these comes about. Uh, Number three, I've learned that he don't stop loving us even if we don't love him. And four, I've learned that as a family, if you're going to do anything important for God, there has to be a time in your life when you make the commitment, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And fifth, it is a lifetime commitment from the time that you're saved to the time that you die. You don't retire from serving the Lord. You don't let the young people do it. You don't take sabbatical. You serve the Lord till the day you die. I've learned that the hard way. Uh, I've lived in Woodman all of my life except the four or five years that, that uh, we lived in Franklin after I got out of service. I had a very large family. There's seven of us children, and we all worked hard because the time I grew up, everybody had to work because everybody was poor after the Depression. But we never went to church in our life. In fact, I don't, I've never heard of anybody on my dad's side that ever went to church. I've chased a family tree. Nobody on his side ever went to church. In fact, I was 11 or 12 years old before I ever stepped inside of a church. So it's, it's a miracle that I, was, that I was saved. But looking back, I can see how that God, after I have uh, walked with God a while, looking back, I can see how that God was very instrumental and really worked in my life. Now, in the Bible, uh, God speaks of, of 
angels sometimes as messengers or messengers as angels. Since I don't have any better way to describe some people that are instrumental in my life, I'm going to refer to these people as angels. And you'll see why, I think, later on. I went to the old school over at Woodburn, which the school set here at the park about where the basketball goals are. And, and that's where it's set. Uh, I think I was in the third grade. And uh, angel number one was Kate Rowland. Now, some of you old people know Kate Rowland. And you say, well, she doesn't look like an angel. <laughs> Kate Rowland was Finest Rowland's mom. Kate was always around the school helping the teachers do parties. So it come Christmas time, and she was helping. But that Christmas, I got, I received two Christmas presents. And I'd never done that because we drew names and you were supposed to just get one. I got two. I opened it, and this present was from Kate Rowland. She had wrapped me up a, a, a whole stack of Sunday school cards. Now, back in those days, instead of having uh, quarterlies, the young people had a card that you'd get every Sunday. It'd have the, the Bible verse or the story on the back, and on the other side would be a, a card. Fred, you remember that? You old designer. And there'd be a card on, on that side, and... But she had wrapped up me, I guess it was an entire year, 52 of those, and put them in a packet and gave them to me. Now, she didn't know me, and I didn't know her. It had to be of God. I kept those cards for years, and I, and I don't know what happened to me, but I, I would look at those pictures, and I couldn't understand what I was reading, but I was reading something that I had never read before. It, it, was, it, was, it was so, so strange. So, but anyway, uh, I guess that that was my first introduction to anything spiritual at all. Okay, my second angel is, uh, is another one in school, uh, Mrs. Edna Cardwell. Some of y'all may have had her in school over at Wood. I was in the fifth grade. And, and back in those days, we've come a long way, people. Back in those days, the teacher would, would, would open the class with a Bible verse or the kids would say my Bible verses or whatever. But it come my time to say a Bible verse. You know, she, I guess she drew my name or something, I don't know. But she informed me that it was my time to say a Bible verse. I was always and still am so bashful and so backward, it scared me to death. I could not do it. But anyway, I went home and I found a New Testament. I don't know where it came from. I guess everybody, if you don't go to church, has a Bible somewhere in the house. I found a New Testament and I picked me out a verse. And I studied and I studied and I studied. And I got that verse down where I knew I could do it. So it come my time to say that verse and I stood up real fast. I said, Jesus wept. <laughs> yeah. And I sat down. That was a, that was a relief. Well, I used that verse for a while, and finally one day, Miss Carver said, boys, I wasn't the only one who was doing this. She said, boy, I think that you can learn some new verses. <laughs> so I did, and I learned some new, and that was my introduction into the scriptures, where I got, began to read the scriptures, and, and, I, and I, I guess I really enjoyed those, uh, those scriptures. September 1950, uh, my oldest brother got killed in Korea. He was only 17. And uh, uh, 
my dad at the time was kind of abusive, and he and my older brother didn't get along at all, and my older brother left home at, uh, at 15. And uh, so he just had odd jobs wherever he'd get a job. But, but anyway, he taught my mother, in, I guess by writing her a letter, I don't know. He, he, he taught my mother and dad into signing for him to go to the Army. And they signed for him to go. Of course, that was peacetime in, in early 1950s. And uh, he was one of the first in sent to Korea. And in September, he was killed at, at age 17. That mellowed my dad quite a bit. Uh, it takes sometimes something serious to get your attention. But looking back, I can see that my dad really began to mellow and, and treat the rest of us children a little bit different. Now, he didn't take us to church, but occasionally... We'd go to a revival meeting. We lived out in Matlock, and, and uh, at that time, Old Union was, the, was the, the, the community church. You know, if you lived in a community, you went to that church. Uh, so they would have a revival, two-week two revival every summer. So uh, I was 13. I mean, I remember I was 12. My brother got killed, and this was afterwards. I was 13. And I remember Dad took us to revival a couple of nights, and and the preacher preached, and the first time I'd ever heard a preacher preach, and he preached about uh, Christ returning, and, and, and he, he made it so evident that it scared me to death because I thought, you know, he's coming today, and, and I knew I wasn't ready. So when they give the altar call, I went to the, to the altar. Now, Old Union was, was a kind of a missionary Baptist, and they believed in, in having the mourner's bench, and they believed that you prayed through. Uh, and nobody showed you how to be saved. I went to the altar two or three nights that week, and, and I would, at uh, best I knew how, I would pray and ask Jesus to save me, but I didn't know anything about how to be saved. And occasionally the preacher would come by, he'd pat me on the head, and he'd say, hang on. And I said, what am I hanging on for? I, I didn't know. Well, revival was over, and I wasn't saved. And, and there was no chance of me getting saved for another year, whole year, because never a preacher visited in, in, out in the country, and we didn't go to Sunday school, so there's no chance. But I remember two things happened that summer that, that I'll never forget. And, and sometime after that revival, uh, my, my dad and, and my brothers were out in the tobacco patch. We're, we, were, we were topping tobacco. And we've taken a, a, a water break and underneath the shade tree. And I remember saying, hey, y'all, that's Southern talk, hey, y'all. There's, there's no use in us doing all this work because Jesus is going to come back before we get this crop put up. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it, 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 it scared me to death. I thought he was coming back that week. You know? and, and, but, you know, they looked at me kind of silly. And another thing happened that summer, and this was only in the fall, and Charles, my brother, and I were at the barn doing the chores, and I don't know if Charles had ever gone to the altar or not, but somehow in our conversation, Charles and I began to talk about being saved. And we didn't know how to be saved, but I remember we went up to the barn loft on the, on the hay, and we, we knelt our own bales of hay, and the best we knew how, we wanted to be saved, and we asked Jesus to save us, but we didn't know anything about it, and nothing happened. And so it went on till the next year, revival time. And Dad took us a couple of times, and same thing. I gave the altar call, and I went to the altar, and 
hang on. Pat you on the head and hang on. Every once in a while, somebody would stand up and they had prayed through. You know, when you pray through, you, it can happen one night or it can take months. Or they told me that down there at Old Union, some people had been on, on, a, on Mona's bench for years. That's scary. And it scared me. And, and that, so I went and two or three nights that week and I didn't get saved. But I became angry at God. Yeah. And every year after the revival, they would have a baptism at Massey's Mill Bridge, which is up the bridge creek a little bit more. We have our baptism. And that entire valley would be full of people there from, from uh, that had been saved and be baptized. Sometimes they'd be 20 or 30 people that would be baptized. And I remember that day, and there were some of the kids that I went to school with, some of my friends, some had been on the mourners bench with me. And I was watching them be baptized. And I seemed like I said, God, don't bother me and I won't bother you. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that because God won't push himself on you if you don't want him. But I said, don't bother me. And for 12 years, he did not bother me and I didn't bother him. Yeah. Never thought about church. Didn't enter my mind. Nobody said anything to me. I'm sure I ran into some, some believers, but nobody ever mentioned God to me. I, I felt just like the psalmist that said, you know, uh, nobody cared for my soul. I, I, I really became, uh, uh, my, uh, my parents and I, we, we became, we, we didn't talk. I became rebellious. I began to, to drink alcohol at 16 years old. Guys, don't y'all do that. 16 years old. I really become rebellious. And for all those years, nobody, nobody ever said anything to me about the Lord. I told God to leave me alone. I wouldn't bother him, and he didn't bother me. In 1959, I met Diane. Greatest thing ever happened in my life. Uh, I immediately really liked her. Yeah, because her family was different. Uh, they, they, there'd be grandma and mama and daddy and the kids and the cousins and uncles and aunts and they'd all get together. They'd have the best time just laughing and talking. See, I never did that. I, did, I didn't. I never had any home life at all. There was no love in my family at all. And it, it fascinated me. And, and I watched them, and it, it, it was just amazing. Well, the Cold Wars began to heat up, and, and, uh, uh, and I was about to get drafted into the Army, so I joined the Reserves and uh, went into uh, to Fort Jackson, South Carolina, took my basic. And during all this time, I realized that, that I really loved Diane back home. I really loved So we came home, and I got home in March of 1961. And they put me in reserve control unit in, in July. In August, we got married. In September, we got activated back into the war, the Berlin crisis. We'd been married one month. So here I go to Fort Chaffee, Arkansas. Well, Diane agreed to stay home for a while, and she did. She made it a month, and she came down there. Anyway, we spent our, and, and we had a wonderful year, our honeymoon in, in Fort Chaffee, Arkansas. It was wonderful. We had been married a year, but all that time, we had only went to church one time, Easter Sunday. I don't know who was trying to impress. We went to church Easter Sunday down at, down at. During all that time, I was in service. 
I would go to chapel meetings. The chaplain would talk to me. I never felt anything. I never felt anything. God had left me alone. It was like I told him to do. He left me alone. Uh, I was supposed to be released in the next August, and, and Diane was pregnant with Tracy. So she wouldn't be able to travel in August, so she comes home early in June, uh, and Tracy was born premature in July, weighed three and a half pounds, and, and I couldn't. Back then, the Army didn't care a lot about you. You were just kind of a number, and the Red Cross would only help you if there was death in the family. So I didn't get to come home, and Tracy was almost a month old before I seen her. And when I came home, and then I was a parent, and it dawned on me that I had responsibility. I did not want to be like my dad. I did not want to be like my dad. I had, I had responsibility. Well, it was, it was wonderful. We immediately joined. Uh, uh, I, I was back at work at Holly. I don't want to get, miss this. And uh, angel number three. I was working with this boy, and, and he was different. He was different. Now, he didn't come in with a, with a shirt on that said, don't cuss around me, I'm a Christian. He didn't carry a big Bible or nothing like that. But he was just different. He, he and I would talk a lot, and, uh, and just we become really good friends. He knew I lived in Franklin at the time. So, so one day he said, Don, I'm leading, uh, I'm having a revival at Macedonia in Franklin. Will you come hear me preach? And uh, I don't know what I said. It scared me to death. I don't know what I said. But I went home and told Diane, I said, I'm going to church tonight. She said, yeah, and I'm going with you. Yeah. <laughs> we went to church that night. And L.V. Barnes was, was the evangelist. And, and uh, I, I never will forget as he began to preach. He preached on uh, uh, from uh, uh, Luke 13, uh, 34, and he talked about uh, he talked about Jesus standing on the mountain, looking over Jerusalem, and 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 as he looked over Jerusalem, he was weeping, and that caught my attention. I said, "Here is Christ. I've only heard of Jesus two times, and both times he was crying. See back the first verse I learned, Jesus wept, and now here I am." And in and, and between that time, I hadn't heard anything about the Bible. And I said, I, this is strange. Here is Jesus weeping. And, and he went ahead to talk, and he talked about how the Jesus looked at the people, and he said, how many times would I have gathered you under my wing like a mother hen gathers her chickens, and, but you wouldn't let me. And, and it, it seemed like it just then, the Holy Spirit opened my heart. See, I've been raised on the farm, and I'd oftentimes seen a, a mother hen come off the nest with a bunch of chickens, you know, and, and, and she would attack a dog. She would attack a bull. She would attack a human if you threatened one of those children. And then she'd gather them up under her wing. And, and I thought, I said, could Jesus love me that much? Could Jesus love me? And, and right then I understood that Jesus was weeping all time because of the way he loved me and you. He loved mankind so much that he just cries for us, you know. Well, I hit that altar. 
Man, the Holy Spirit. But I couldn't keep them. I went to the altar. But as soon as I knelt there, and now this was a General Baptist church, and, and they were something like the, the other Baptists that you kind of had to pray through. And I got to the altar, and I said, oh, Lord, is this going to be the same thing it was 12 years ago? And here I was still now. Now, I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm 25 years old, guys. And, but I still didn't know anything about God and the Bible and all that stuff. And, and I said, Lord, do something. I don't want to go on like this. Do something. And immediately... Here's my next angel. Immediately, this big old arm just went around my neck. There at the altar. And I looked up at this woman, and I didn't know her, and she didn't know me. Dovey Thompson. Some of y'all might know her from Franklin. Dovey looked at me, and she said, Don, it's all about faith. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe you're a sinner? I said, yeah, I know I am, yeah. She said, just accept it by faith. That moment, the Lord saved me. Man, I come up my altar, I was a different person. You know, the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are new. I was a new creature. Oh, I was, I was, and, and it was so funny. I was so excited, I thought everybody in Hollywood would want to know I saved. I couldn't, I got up there and I'd, I'd be working beside somebody, I'd tell them, and they'd say, yeah. And I'd try to tell somebody, and they'd say, you get over it, you know, and just stuff like that. <laughs> they didn't want to hear it, but I told them anyway. Diane and I, immediately, we joined the church, Bar Baptist and Franklin, that was her church she'd always gone to. And so, we joined that church. The amazing thing about God is that all of our life as Christians, Diane and I, God has always put people with us that could encourage us and help us. And the pastor we had was just what I needed, Brother David Jicka and Brenda. And David was a, was a, a student at Belmont College, and Brenda was a nurse at Nashville Hospital. And, man, we fell in love with each other. And they would come up on, on Saturday afternoon after she got off from work, and, and they'd spend the night with us. And that was weird. I was spending the night with a preacher, you know. And, and, but we just hit, it was, Brother David would preach, and, and I got me a Bible somewhere. And, and, and he would preach, and I'd sit up on the edge of my seat like I do now when you preach, Tim. And I'd sit up there, and, and I was so hungry for the gospel. Man, I would, and I would write, and I still got that Bible at home. It's written. I would write everything, and then when I'd get home, I would reread it to see if he spoke the truth. See if he's telling the truth about it. And we, it, it, was so, it was so wonderful how the, the Lord helped us to grow through, through Brenda and, and David. And uh, so uh, along about the then in, in 1966, my dad passed away. He was only 59. He died with cancer. Uh, I tried to talk to my dad some after I become a Christian, but he never wanted to hear anything about spiritual things. He'd never, he, he would never open for spiritual things. Uh, we, uh, we resumed our relationship. He and I had a good relationship. Uh, later on, Diane won my mother to the Lord. And it, it was wonderful. But uh, he died, and I never knew if he'd 
I had become a Christian. I hope he did. But uh, things were things were were going good at, at at Barb now, and young couples were being saved. It was it was so exciting, and we had to build a new building, and and we, it was just it was so exciting to see all these young people coming in. And now here I was. In the meantime, when Dad had died, Di and I had just bought a new house in Franklin on Strawberry Lane, only a year old. And so when my dad died, we, had, we felt we needed to go out because Mom was left out there by herself. She couldn't drive and with the livestock. So Di and I bought us a, a mobile home and went back out and lived in a trailer out in Matlock. And uh, so here I was. I was working full time. I was raising a crop. I had livestock. I had two children. And we never missed a service at church. We never missed a service. We driving 15 miles one way. We never missed a service. Things were going really good. It was it was it was really nice. And I remember uh, one time. Uh, first of all, I guess uh, him and Tracy was 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 little. We we dedicated to the Lord early. In fact. Uh, we dedicated them so many times. They probably thought they were living sacrifices. I mean, <laughs> every time, we was determined Satan was not going to get those two kids. Every time a kid in church would do something bad, we'd rededicate Tim and Tracy to the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Satan was not going to get those two kids. And, and we were determined. One time later on, the preacher was preaching on uh, Joshua. Joshua called the people together and uh, he said, you need to choose today who you serve. And for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And, and I got dying by the hand. We got the kids, Tim and Tracy, and we went to the altar. And we pledged that day as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And we were serious about it. We were determined we'd serve the Lord. A few weeks ago, Tim preached on commitment, and he made the statement something like this. When, when you make the commitment to serve the Lord, you can expect Satan to really work on you, and he did. We began to have trouble that we never dreamed we'd have. We had, we had more trouble. But Tracy and Tim loved the Lord. They were committed. If we argued all week, we'd go to church together. If we'd argue on the way to church, we went to church together. We were determined we'd serve the Lord. Satan was not going to defeat us. And Tracy was, uh, when she got out of high school, I guess, no, she may be in high school, she decided to get her a job. Now, parents, listen to this. The only job your kid's going to get is, is a job work on weekends. Tracy got a job at the mall. The mall had just opened. And she wasn't supposed to have to work on Sunday. I mean, besides that, the mall then didn't open until 1. That was back when the blue law was just becoming purple, you know. And, and so it wasn't long until, guess what? Trace had to work on Sunday. Well, and she was an adult now. And so Diane and I talked, and we said, we're going to let her make the decision. We're not going to insist that she quit work. So one day, Tracy said, I'm going to quit my job and go to church. I said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And, and she did. Things uh, and, and began to kind of turn sour at our church. For some reason, the pastor resented us and didn't like us, I guess. And, 
And we began to realize that we we're going to have to find us another church. But we had been there all these years. That's the only church we'd ever gone to. All of our friends were there. We didn't have a friend nowhere except in Franklin. But it was getting pretty evident that we were going to have. And, and at the same time, Diane's dad died in 1981. And the pastor would not be a pastor to Diane. At, at the time that she really needed a pastor, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be a pastor to her. And it really hurt her. So we found Woodburn. We came to Woodburn. And uh, this was in 1982. Now, I remember the first Wednesday night we came to church. There was eight people there, and four of them was my family. <laughs> yeah. Brother Marsh and Wanda and Dorothy Martin, and I forgot who the other one was, and my four, pardon me. Now, our kids are grown now, you know, and you couldn't blame them if they rebelled because being the only young people in church is not funny. But they went to church. They, they, they did not rebel. They, they went to church, and, and everything was, was cool. We, we, we joined the Woodburn Church, and, and the Lord led it. And if the Lord hadn't have been in it, they would have rebelled, but they didn't. And, and looking back, I can see that, that it was a great thing because most of the families that were with us at Barb at that time are out on the Lord. Some of them live in terrible lives. Uh, so God was in that, in that move, us coming. Uh, but we came with, with bad feelings in our heart. And, and we, well, we were really hurt. Uh, and I remember Brother Marsh visited us in the living room. And, and I remember he looked at Diane and he said, let it go. Let it go. You can't serve the Lord with bad feelings in your heart towards somebody. Just let it go. And that was, I guess, the turning point in her life and, 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 and my life where we realized that you can't. So later on, I did, uh, went to the pastor and made up with him and everything's cool and so on. Uh, a couple of years later, am I running out of time? A couple of years later, uh, Tim surrendered to, to preach uh, and uh, surrendered to ministry. He was youth and, and uh, music minister here, then later on went on to, to seminary. Uh, but... Along about then, Tracy and Tommy are living in Owensboro. Casey and Tim is living in Louisville. And for the first time in our life, we're not worshiping as a family. And that was hard. Because all of our Christian life, we had been, we'd been in the Harris's. Four of us together, we were there. And this was so hard. And then the grandkids were born. And we go to Louisville and cry all the way back. We go to Owensboro, cry all the way back. Uh, <laughs> We didn't know what we was going to do. But it's funny how the Lord worked. I learned one thing in this, men. Listen. God says that the men are the spiritual leader in the home. Now, if you don't get nothing else, get this. You are the spiritual leader. It's not up for the wife and the children to say, we're going to church today. Or you don't ask your children, do you want to go to church today? It should be in your home where they know if it's Sunday morning, you go to church. You are the spiritual leader. You need to learn that. You have to learn that. You're the spiritual leader. Well, the rest is 
pretty well history. You know, uh, Tim went on, and we thought when he went to seminary that he'd be in, in, in Africa, but uh, the Lord laid him back, and, and now it's wonderful. We're all worshiping together, and now the grandkids are here, and Tracy and Tom and Tim and Casey and the grandkids, and the grandkids come to know the Lord, and, and it's just all wonderful how the Lord works. I can't understand how that, that the Lord chose for me to be the first one in the whole Harris family to become a Christian. I'm glad he did, but I can't understand it. But it's wonderful to look back and see how God works in your life when you put him first. Thank you. I want to give you time to respond tonight because you have just heard the gospel preached. You have heard how Jesus will change a life. And there may be someone in this room tonight, some man, some woman, somebody who needs to have the kind of life change that, that, that my dad has given a testimony to. You can know that tonight. You can know that if you will turn your life over to him. Some of you in this house, your family is, 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 is in a mess. And it is probably because you as mom or you as dad are not stepping up and leading your children. Tonight, make a fresh commitment as for me and my house we will serve the Lord whatever you need to do tonight to respond to how the spirit is working in your heart I want to give you that moment the altar is open if you wish to come and pray maybe tonight is the night you come as a family and and kneel at the altar together and make a fresh commitment maybe tonight is the night you come and and surrender your heart to become a new Christian whatever you must do here's an opportunity to do so if you need a prayer for healing the deacons will anoint you and pray for you tonight whatever needs to happen at, at this moment let's sing a song of salvation uh, at Calvary. Uh, let's sing together. Hymn 138, At Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride Caring not my Lord was crucified Knowing not it was for me, he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied for me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. 